I am happy to see every one of you, and we are going to celebrate something so wonderful on this significant Sunday. This Sunday in March, there is one celebratory, hallelujah, appropriate word that we say on this morning, and that word would be Hosanna. Hosanna! We need a drum roll, don't we? Yeah, it's the old, yes, Hosanna, Hosanna. In Matthew 21, 9, God's word says, and the multitudes that went before and that cried following, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna is one of those words, it's just a fun word to say, it rolls off your your tongue and you feel like you need to jump and shout when you say Hosanna. And I'm sure that's exactly what they were doing. So as we get to open the word of God, as we get to meet in Sunday school, as we still have the freedoms to come and worship unafraid, we get to say Hosanna. And I can't wait to share with you what God's word has to say concerning Hosanna. So let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning of gathering together, Sunday morning, Hosanna Sunday. Father, I thank you for your word that gives us the truth that each one of these hearts need. Lord, I thank you for the truth you gave my heart this morning early with very specific prayer requests. Lord, I thank you that you are the God that knows. And Lord, for every lady here, I pray for the heaviness or the burdens, the stressors that are in their hearts and minds right now. Father, may we cast them upon you, set them aside, and receive your instruction. Because then, Lord, the burdens that you give us for the day, when we yoke up with you, you have promised that your burden is easy, your yoke is light. May we find that because we are walking with you. Thank you again for this time together. Thank you for each dear lady that has come to worship you on this beautiful Hosanna Sunday. We'll give you all the praise. Amen. Hosanna in the Hebrew, that's the Old Testament. Hosanna in the Hebrew is interpreted, ready? Nope. Nope. Or save. It's either help or save. I pray. That's how it is interpreted in the Hebrew, which is your Old Testament. The New Testament takes the same word, and it's interpreted as hooray. Okay, hooray, and that's generally how we interpret it. But if you combine the Old Testament with the New in this beautiful word, what you have is basically hooray, my help is here. Hooray, my help has arrived. So with that thought in mind, how many of you could have shouted Hosanna last week? <laughs> Hooray, my help has arrived. Last week, uh, last week, I had a rough reaction to my second uh, COVID immunization. It was awful. Um, but praise the Lord. So as I'm in the living room and I'm just shivering with fever, my sweet son, Clint, I say to him, Clint, Get mama fresh water and the ibuprofen. He gets up, took that guy forever. Oh, look at that. <laughs> you couldn't have timed it better. We can say what? Hooray, help has arrived. <laughs> yeah, 
Thank you, pal. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. So, hey, pal, you can shut my door, okay? Oh, yeah. Hi, Deb. I thought you could. Yeah, he did. Thank you. So, finally, he came into the living room, and I chattered, Hosanna. <laughs> help has arrived. Hosanna. Don't we continually need help? Yes, we do. We continually need help. Some of you are thinking, Kathy, you have no idea. But Jesus does. Jesus does. Matter of fact, that is why he comes described as a lamb. You have it on your Sunday school cookie. Behold the lamb of God that cometh to take away the sin of the world. Make sure you get your Sunday school cookie. If you don't eat sugar, that's fine. Give it to somebody who needs to hear about, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's why John described him when he saw Jesus coming to him. He's described as the Lamb of God. Now, here's the allegory that I want you to get, because this is so beautiful how it ties into the Lord is our shepherd. John describes Jesus as the Lamb. Why? Well, Jesus came to match our helpless estate. There is nothing more helpless in the livestock categories than a lamb. And what Jesus did in coming as the lamb of God, he is saying, I'm here to walk in your shoes, Cindy. I'm here to feel what you feel, Karen. I am here to experience what you experience, Jenny. And I love Hebrews 4.15, if you don't know this verse, memorize it, because we are in a constant state of Hosanna, hooray, help has arrived, or Hosanna, my help will arrive as I pray in faith. But Hebrews 4.15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He is the lamb that came to live in our skin as defenseless as sheep are. Matter of fact, think about sheep for a minute. I love it in this study that we're doing on the Lord is my shepherd. Sheep are, de are defenseless. They, we, we don't have fangs. We don't have claws. We don't have porcupine quills. We don't ha even have the stink of a skunk for defense purposes. <laughs> you know, we have nothing. And then to top off all of that, the fact that sheep are totally defenseless. If you think about a lamb, there is nothing in them that can ward off the enemy, nothing. And then on top of it, sheep are so slow, slow. We can't even run away from the enemy. And so here Jesus comes, and he knows our vulnerability, and he takes on the form of man. Now this is, I gave you a little prayer sheet there, or you can use your, um, it's just, it's a beautiful little prayer, but I give you a sheet of paper to write down these notations because I want you to go back and study this truth on your own, which is so, it's your, it's your growth pill spiritually as you get into God's word. But Philippians 2.8, when Jesus came, <clears throat> it's recorded in Philippians, and being found in fashion as a man. If you look up the word found, or even go into your phone and say, define found, you're going to find every way that it's used, and it's, it's in the verb fashion in this verse, being found as a man. But the word found also in verb fashion is described as, oh, look what I, in other words, it's, oh, 
there's an exclamation. There's a, there's a point in which this is God, Son, Jesus, second part of the Trinity who knows everything, and it's written, and being found in fashion as a man. He knows everything. And yet this is something that he found when he came, just like you and me, with all our vulnerabilities and all our weaknesses, yet without sin. Totally human, totally God. On this Hosanna Sunday, you need to revel in that all day long. So he comes as the lamb. He knows what it feels like to be left out, to be made fun of, to be mocked, to be ignored, to be shouted at, to be angry with, to be unappreciated. He knows all of those feelings that you and I feel, and yet he responded to them all without sin because he wanted to teach you and me how we can respond and find something sweeter than the answer, sweeter than retribution, sweeter than being accepted, sweeter than being loved by the world, and that is what we find in him. And that's why he came. I love Isaiah 41, 13. It's been one of our class verses. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. So the crowds, the crowds are shouting Hosanna. But we know that in just a few days, what are they going to shout, class? Yeah. Fickle humanity. And then he becomes, ready, the sacrificial lamb that fulfills Old Testament prophecy and fulfills the law. That's a whole other beautiful study. The Old Testament prophecy is fulfilled because he came, behold, the Lamb of God that cometh to take away the sin of the world. And the law is fulfilled. And praise God, girls, aren't you thrilled that we live in the age of grace and that when Jesus came, he abolished the law? And now we get to live by God's grace that ought to make you shout Hosanna. <laughs> it makes me shout Hosanna. Okay, so that's the one shout. That's the one cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, for Hosanna Sunday. Now I want us to look at a second cry. And this cry moves from Hosanna of the crowds to the cry from our Lord's lips. My God, my God, why? Why? Hast thou forsaken me? Forsaken is the connotation of no help. So first, Hosanna, hooray, my help has arrived, and now from the lips of our Lord, my help is gone. Can you imagine? Jesus, why? So before we go on to the answer of why, Jesus cried, why? Here's the stuff in between, which is so practical and so good for our hearts. Notice, first of all, who is crying why. It's the Son of God. Now, the Son of God, Jesus, is the creator of everything we see and everything we don't see. He's the creator of the world. He knows everything. He's the second part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Knowing everything, why does he cry? Why? 
He knows my word before I speak. Study Psalm 139. He knows me before I even was. My members being imperfect and not even made yet, God numbers them. Jesus numbered them. He knows me before me even was, Donna, and exactly how he wanted me to be made. Psalm 95.5, the sea is his and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Isaiah 57.19, this is so beautiful. I create the fruit of the lips. What, what would the fruit of the lips be? Our words. Do you know, do you know, it, it comes so natural for all of us in this room, but teaching Clint all those years to speak you know it's a miracle every time we open our mouth that our tongue works and our teeth go down and that we don't bite off our tongue just when we say, Hosanna? Do you know the fact that we can swallow food, chew food, swallow food? All of it is just an unbelievable miracle. Sometime I may just do a Sunday school lesson just on the miracle of the mouth and how it was made to praise God and it's used for everything else. So... That, that sweet verse, I create the fruit of the lips. Jesus made the mouth to form words, the maker of all that we see and all that we don't see. He formed the worlds with his words, and now his mouth forms the word. Why? We need to dwell on that in this miracle week. Do you have a lot of whys? Of course you do. Every day we have whys. We have simple, silly little whys like, why did I forget the confectionery sugar? I just went to the store. <laughs> to, why can't I find my keys, you know? To, why am I having a COVID reaction to this shot, you know? To the really serious things, the really hurtful whys that come. They're all varied, but we all have them. But there is one answer to every one of our wise, Karen, from the silly and shallow to the very serious. Here's the answer. Ready? It comes in learning a response. Learning a response. This is two words. God knows. God knows what? God knows why. God knows why. And in stating that response, we, we ground ourselves back in the truth, on the truth, in the security that we need when we don't know why. And without that, girls, we're, we're that sheep. We're defenseless. We're floundering. Stating the truth is now habit with me. <laughs> Do you know when I started? Oh, Kathy, when you were a child, you were probably holy. <laughs> no! Not even after I went to Bible college. Not, not even after we were married. Not even after over a decade of marriage. And I was a youth pastor's wife. And I was a pastor's wife. And I was involved in ministry. I loved the Lord, and I loved my Bible, and I memorized a lot of his word. But I, I didn't start stating the truth out loud until I had children. 
when you have children, you learn, and I know that this is a part of the reason of God's plan for us to have children. He wants us to understand how vulnerable and how we don't know anything like what we thought we know. Children reveal that. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a scary thing. And it takes me running to my Lord. And that's just what he wants. Um, having children, you find out you don't know everything you thought you knew. I remember going to the laundromat. Dear Linnell, I have prayed for your situation. Um, we'd never had a washer and dryer, you know, the first few years we were married. And I would go to the laundromat, and there you would see out-of-control mothers with their children. And I very sanctimoniously thought, why don't they bring something for the children to do? Why don't they, why don't they, why don't these children mind? Why? And if I were a mother, <laughs> and then God made me one, and I found out I knew nothing. <laughs> All those emergency moments when you don't know why, what, when, or how, the only thing I knew then, Barb, I knew my God knew why. Everything from, you know, colds to convulsions. Everything from dolls that they were fighting over with to Down syndrome. From the frivolous to the really hard things. God knew why. And he wanted me to find out him before I found it out. Before I found out why. So, if I don't state the truth out loud, God knows, God knows, God knows. My fear takes over every time, every time. Stating the truth out loud, that is scriptural truth, God's word, fights my fear. If I do not state the truth out loud, my fear grows, and Satan wants to use all the whys in our day to take us to a totally different place than to our father. Stating the truth is the spiritual, emotional inoculation that pierces into the smog of why. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces. It's better than the COVID shot. It is better protection. It does a work that nothing else this side of heaven does. It's the word of God. Now, if you're not using it out loud throughout your day, we're, we're that defenseless sheep again. Stating it out loud pulls all of God's power and care and empathy into my corner. And I may never find out why, but I find in him I am complete. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I am not found wanting. I don't know why, but I am not incomplete. He completes me. Now, this was so sweet. Last week, um, Tammy and Kathy came up and they, they shared with me a really sweet illustration as we were talking about um, being complete, not the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And they were both very different, and there are both things that we deal with on a continual basis. Um, Kathy's was an emotional why. And I asked both of them if they would share this with you as a class. And Kathy, I'm going to start with you first, and I want you to clip 
on this little thing and tell the class what happened to you, it would have been two weeks ago, as you shared it with me concerning the Lord is your shepherd. And so just wait into that. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, during, I think it was during lunchtime, Satan, I could just feel Satan just bombarding me with thoughts. And um, they weren't true thoughts, but in my mind, they were very true. And um, the kids went out to recess, and I'm cleaning up in the room and stuff. And finally, I just stopped, and I said, Lord, Satan is attacking me right here and right here. Please show me that you love me. Take me out of this. Get me away from it. I no sooner got done with that prayer. Linnell walked to my classroom door with the diet burners. And I said, you're going to make me cry. And um, Katie was standing there. And so we talked for a minute. We hugged. And um, Trina walks out her classroom door. She went, are you okay? And I went, I'm okay. And so she went back in the room. And so I went back to my classroom. I get a sweet text from Katie, encouraging um, text from her. And then about an hour later, Pastor Dan walks in my room with a sweet card. I mean, that guy can write sweet cards of encouragement and brought me a diet burners <laughs> <laughs> and a bowl of fr fresh fruit and um, some cinnamon trident gum, just all things that I like. And I could just tell the Lord, I mean, Linnell walked in before I, you know God gave, put it in her heart to do that to me before I had even voiced it to God that I needed that. But God knew. Amen. And it was such a blessing. Amen, amen. Now with Tammy, this issue is another why that we deal with all the time. Hers wasn't as much emotional as it was a real specific thing uh, concerning irritation um, of a person. And we all deal with that. And I love the truth that she shared with me on that. So Tammy, go ahead and talk. Just, we can just I go can't hold it. it. Oh, just hold it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, apparently I should have prayed what Kathy did so I could get <laughs> <laughs> Um, mine wasn't irritation. We all have those irregular people in our lives that um, we have to forgive over and over. My person is past the 70 times 7. <laughs> Way past. <laughs> so they, they called me and said some things, and it's that thing of being attacked, attacked, and made to feel guilty, and I'm not meeting standards, etc., and so on. And um, bothered me, you know, and thoughts in the mind, oh my word, all night long I wake up and still, so in the morning I was taking my shower and I'm like, God, I'm exhausted, I know I need to deal with this, I need you to help me forgive them again, and so I'm taking my shower and I can feel the anger going away, I can feel the peace, and then I finally get to that point, okay, I forgive them, and um, and then, you know, I was going through the rest of my day and I was going down making my coffee and stuff and I was, you know, still thinking on it a little bit, but obviously I didn't have the irritation anymore. And, um, you know, I was just asking God, okay, because, hey, sometimes it is our fault. And so I'm, okay, what did I do? Am I the cause of this, et cetera, and so on. And God 
and that still small voice just said, you did not move, they moved. And it was just that comfort, you know, that he let me know, okay, I'm okay. You know, sometimes we're not. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I'm waiting there for my coffee and my phone dings. And no, it wasn't this person. My phone dings. <laughs> <laughs> and so I pick it up to look at it and I'm on the version Bible verse. Kid you not, I started laughing because the verse for March 19th was um, put away bitterness and wrath and clamor and be kind one to another. I'm like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> Isn't that just so perfect? The timing, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, fill it in, forgiving one another. But it's daily. And the victory that we can experience is that daily victory because Behold, the Lamb of God came as a lamb to take on our vulnerabilities, to take on all of the things that bother us and hurt us. And he is so quick to move. So learning to speak God's truth out loud is one of the most powerful weapons you and I have throughout our day. Speak the truth of God. Kathy, don't speak your feelings. Don't, don't give the airwaves. Satan is the prince and power of this world. Don't give him any more ammunition to work with. And I have found that even in my weariness and even in my tiredness, I zip my lip because, you know what, just me sitting down and saying, I am done. I am done, done, done. What good does that do? It vents for a moment, but it feeds all the wrong things that I want in my home. I'm not done, and when I say I'm done, you know what I'm doing? I'm saying God's sufficiency isn't enough. And instead, that beautiful opportunity of saying, God, be my strength. God, God, be my joy. Joy is a byproduct. I had a sweet opportunity to talk with a lady who has lost her joy, believing that if this problem would just go away, she'd have joy again. That is not true. Joy is always a byproduct of obedience to God's word. Always and only. That's what joy is. And so, you know, we just have this powerful, powerful word of God, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder, piercing, to use every day. He hath not given me the spirit of fear. Every time you experience fear, take God's word and address it head on. He hath not given me the spirit of fear. If this is not from God, who is it from? It's either from the prince and power of this world or it's from my own doubting, but it's not from God. What has God given me according to 2 Timothy? You know what he's given me? He's given me love and power and a sound mind. But now hold that thought and track it to this. You know, I encourage you to study backwards everything, especially when you're going through a tough time. Well, when I am... When I am face-to-face -face with fear or, or with irritation or with frustration or with loneliness or with emptiness, I find what God's word has to say about it, and I either memorize it, and that gets harder and harder, or I continually repeat it over and over until God's word works in my heart. Because when you are in the middle of that moment, you're not feeling the love. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Oh, dear Julie, it's so wonderful to see you. Grab a cookie for John. Okay. 
God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and so on. But when you are in the moment, are you feeling the love, girls? No. You are feeling the fear because that's what our feelings are. Are you feeling the power? No. You are powerless. I am powerless. But I still have what? I still have my mind. So now, with that truth, turn to your Bibles to Romans 7, 21 and 23, or 23, Romans 7, 23. You are going to love this because Paul, that great apostle, has the same battle that you and I have. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 23. And he says, but I see an another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. That's exactly where we are at both in the testimony of Kathy and Tammy and what we're talking about. Every day it's a war, and it, it's in our mind. And it's at war. And it wants to do what? Bring me into captivity to the law of sin, which is where? In my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? There's the who. We do know who. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Then here's the victory. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the what? Not the power. I'm powerless when I'm in fear or in anger or in hurt. Not the love. I'm not feeling the love. But I have my mind and I have a sound mind. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, see, that's the choice. Right there, if you'll take this and connect this to what we've been studying, I myself serve the law of God. What, is, what does he say? Right there, I choose. That's right where I choose. I'm in a war, and I have to continually choose. Is it going to, am I going to serve the law of God? Oh, by the way, what is the law of God? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Because the law of God is Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Perfect. It makes wise the simple. Memorize. Please memorize Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. And it does all these wonderful things. And learning that I have this powerful weapon in the word of God becomes victory for you and me every single day from the really shallow, silly things to the very serious, heartbreaking things. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Fear, anger, hopelessness, temptation, revenge, they will all bring me into captivity to the law of sin which lives in my members. But right here is where Paul shouts, ready? That's what he shouts. I just know he does. Hosanna, Hosanna. My help has arrived. It's the word of God. And I choose God's way and God's word in my mind to fight this war. It's my defense. So my question to you, dear ladies, is the question I ask myself, Kathy, you going to use your mind or are you going to lose your mind? <laughs> You know how it keeps going, Tammy? Yeah. We know how we can keep jawing it over. And by the way, that act of forgiveness, it's a continual thing. Because in the mind, we keep bringing up how I was right and they were wrong. And I've got to get to the point where in my forgiveness, I say, God, it doesn't matter. 
you're right, and it's more important for me to live righteously than it is for me to live right. And boy, that giving up, that sacrificial act, sometimes needs to be continually done until it's purged from my heart, especially when it's somebody who has been close to me or somebody that I have loved and they have walked away. Now, now this is really good. This, this part gets even better. Um, verse 25. I want to go back to that for just a second. This is so good. When you go to study a word, look at all the nouns and pronouns and the verbs and do a Bible study on it. But here's Paul saying, <laughs> it's, it's, it always makes me laugh. So with the mind, ready? I myself. I, why the double pronoun? Why? So then with the law, I myself. So then with the mind, I myself. I'll tell you why. Because when I am boxed in all by myself, feeling that loneliness, feeling that anger, I am all by myself. <coughs> when you are by yourself, you, I, are the only person there. When I am by myself. In this moment, I can't do this moment I am all by myself, and there's nothing worse than being all alone. Nothing. And this is going to so tie into what happened on the cross. No help, no, no hope. In my bothered moments, if I don't acknowledge God, I am all by myself. And it's going to take me to a worse place. So with the mind, I serve the law of God, that beautiful law of Psalm 19. And you know what it does? Oh, here's, here's another uh, reference of, back to 2 Timothy 1.7 when it talks about, <clears throat> I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Psalm 19 teaches my mouth what to say, and my mouth needs that teaching teaches my mouth what to say, then my heart what to dwell on. You're going to find that in Psalm 19. That's the love of 2 Timothy 1.7. And then the power, that's the strength, the Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's the power of 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7 and the law of God, which the law of the Lord, which is Psalm 19, are hand and glove. They feed each other. They explain each other. So, all of this was a side note. Let's quickly get to the answer as to why. Why Jesus cried out, why? First of all, remember that he is the creator of the universe, the creator of everything. Why would he ask why? When Tina and Aaron worked at First Baptist, she taught the three, four, the two, three, and four-year-old class. She had dozens in that class, two, three, and four years old. And this was on a Palm Sunday that this happened. And the children had all been on a sugar high, and they were so naughty. But none of them were as naughty as, well, I won't say the name. I'll protect the name. I'll just make up a name, Joey. Okay, it was a little boy. 
Joey was terrible. And so Tina stopped the class, and she said, all right, no treats unless we straighten up right now. I need to see a difference. Well, the whole class straightened up, except Joey. Joey continued. But then the last five minutes before class was done, he did really well. He, he, he just did. It was a complete change. Tina is passing out the treats, and she's saying, Joey, you know what? You weren't going to get a treat, but because you did so well the last five minutes before we ended, you get a half a treat. Joey stood to his feet, kicked his chair, and said, that's not fair. To which Miss Tina said, Joey, calm down. And he looked at her straight in the eyes, and he said, I don't like Miss Tina. To which the little boys in the front row said, well, I like Miss Tina. She had the other one next to her. I like Miss Tina. Don't you like Miss Tina? Tina's calling the class back into control and saying, okay, we're going to close with our closing song. And all the time they were singing their closing song, little Joey is shouting this. I don't want my teacher. I don't want my mom. I don't want my brothers. I only want my dad and my grandma and grandpa. And then he would begin all over again, listing who he did not want in his life and who he did. All he wanted in his life were the people who would let him do whatever he wanted. Oh, you, you all know Joey's too, don't you? <laughs> and anyone, anyone who didn't want to do what he wanted to do, he wanted out of his life. What? Well, if he truly got what he wanted, at some point in his life, you know where Joey would be? I, myself. <laughs> Cindy said in jail. I, my, I, myself alone. He would be totally alone because, girls, all of us, all of us at some point, everybody is going to disappoint us. All of us at some point, everybody is going to disagree with us. All of us at some point, everybody is going to have a different opinion or a different viewpoint. Everyone at some point will not give me what I want. And so there I would be standing all alone. And that's just what's happening in our society today as we listen to the news. Behavior is just spiraling out of control. And it's everybody shouting, I don't want anybody telling me. I don't want God in my life. I just want me. I will be my own God. And do you know what that echoes? It's the echo of Lucifer. I will be like God. I will be God. And God says, you don't know how awful that's going to be. Hell is torment, but the worst of hell in the midst of the pain and the cacophony and the darkness and the agony, the worst part of hell is there is no one here for me forever. And if it were not for the eternality of the mind and the soul, that very fact would implode and destroy us. With the knowledge, there was no one here for me, ever. See, aloneness was the last bitter pill of humanity that our Lord had to digest. Even here on earth, his whole earthly ministry, through all his troubles and triumphs, 
He knew fellowship and togetherness with his father. Matter of fact, I've enjoyed reading the Gospels this past week, walking through this timeline. And he went to the garden, and he prayed. And he went to the garden, and he prayed. There was a special garden. But he always fellowshiped with his father. You can do anything. You can go through anything if you go through it with one you love. Anything. Matter of fact, the things, the hard things you go through when you go through it with the one you love, makes your love stronger, makes your love deeper, makes your love more meaningful. And nothing, nothing can do that except going through hard things together with the one you love. But to bear it alone, to bear it alone. Genesis 2.18, the point of Eve's creation was because it was not good that man should be alone. The whole point of her being created. So up to this point, the cross, Jesus had experienced everything, every hardship, every hurt, just like we do. Remember, he came as the Lamb of God. He came in our skin, yet without sin. He experienced it all already except being alone. Aloneness was the final residue of human flesh that he took upon himself being found in the form of man. He took it so you and I would never be alone. And he didn't spit it out. He swallowed it. And I love this part. He tasted it and he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he didn't call 10,000 angels. And he didn't do anything except swallow that aloneness. And now this is the end of the story. He swallowed my aloneness so he would never leave me nor forsake me. It was him becoming victorious for me so you and I would never, ever be alone. And in Revelation, you can read about death, even death, that last, that last element of, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? He's with me. He sticks closer than a brother. And in the singleness of death, this is what he shouts. Oh, death, where is thy victory? I've already swallowed you. I've swallowed you, and it allows us to say, Hosanna, help has arrived in every area. As you take this hallowed week, this Hosanna week, oh, dear girls, worship your God who experienced everything for us so that we could say, Hosanna, our help has arrived. And then, would you tell somebody, there's a world out there that needs help. There's a world out there who needs to hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Grab a packet of Easter tracts and hand them out. Pray. Pray for the ones that God has laid on your heart. They need to hear from your lips. Maybe they just need to be invited. Come and see, like Mary running to the tomb. Come and see what the Lord has done for me. Because you desperately need him too. Father, thank you for becoming the Hosanna of our life. 
Thank you for eternal life, but Lord, thank you that even in the little things, you're our Hosanna. You're our help that has arrived. Oh God, may we never get over it. May we revel in it and may we share your love with others. In thy precious name, amen.